Hey guys, this is Adam Carswell, the founder of the Dream Chasers platform, and thank you for tuning into our content. We've got some phenomenal creators making a name for themselves on this platform, and we just want to say thank you for going on this journey with us. It's been a lot of fun over the past few years, and hey, we're just getting started. We would also like to take this moment to shine light on our sponsor, Raise Masters, the number one mastermind for elite capital raisers. To learn more about Raise Masters, you can go to raisemasters.com. That's raisemasters.com. And again, thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us, your time. Now kick back and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the TGIF with Courtney podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Stone, and today we have a very special guest joining us, Lisa Hilton. Lisa, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm happy you're joining the podcast and we'll just jump right in here. So why don't you tell us about your story and your um, adventure through entrepreneurship? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So my adventure through entrepreneurship. Um, so long story, long story short, I live in LA um, and I've been here now for seven years and I'm originally from the Cayman Islands. I grew up in the Cayman Islands. I was born in Florida. My parents were Jamaican um, and my parents, uh, my dad built 14 apartment units when I was a child. So by the time I got into elementary school, they were already built and, you know, you would be a part of collecting rent, turning apartments, cleaning them, the whole nine yards, the entire process. Um, And he eventually was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I got to late elementary school, early middle school type time frame. Um, And then by the time I got to college, it took his life. Um, But because he made that initial investment of building those apartments, those rental properties in the beginning, that enabled my family to be able to take care of ourselves, myself, um, and my two younger siblings and my mom. So, so yeah, um, that has been like, my forte into getting into real estate and then into entrepreneurship. I feel like I was, I was always business minded, um, but like not like, like I just always was business minded, but like didn't always like have lots of, didn't pursue a ton of stuff, I would say. Um, And yeah, like as time went on, I, for the longest time, I was focused on building my career in accounting, um, and I still am an accountant today. Um, so I work um, as the only finance hire for a startup that's um, that's in the real estate space. Um, but it took a while to get to this point, you know, um, going from consistently being in public accounting in the big four for 10 years um, and only focused on like fully career and nothing about business um, and nothing about investing. And then eventually leaving that to go work for an investment manager that where I was a controller on private equity real estate funds. And I did that for four and a half years. Um, and my time at PwC, the big four, I audited funds my entire career from Grand Cayman to Boston, Boston to LA, just all the funds, private equity, venture capital, fund of funds, mutual funds, all the funds and their investment managers. Um, so like lots of experience in that space. And when I decided in April of 2021 to leave 
uh, the job as a controller to focus on building a business in the syndication space. So syndicating to investing commercial real estate projects. Um, you know, I didn't really see how my prior experiences would be able to help me in the current space. Uh, with time, I began to realize that, wow, like because of my fund's experience that I could use that as something that could provide opportunities for other people. Um, and I, it didn't really come fully clear until, you know, I started to think about, okay, well, I have money that I want to deploy into commercial real estate assets. And as I meet more and more operators um, and as operators mature in their life cycle, um, many times they have higher minimums for good reason. They just want to have less investors. Even when I was working at the investment manager, like we'd raise like a billion dollar fund and like, you know, sometimes you have to have like close to 200 investors and that is really painful. Whereas if you're able to raise like a $2 billion fund, a, mil, a billion dollar fund, and you're able to spread that across less than 50 investors, it's like such um, less administrative burden and it makes it so much easier to like get all the reporting and stuff out. Plus you're just dealing with less investors. So I get it. I understand why, you know, operators seek to to do that, like they'll progress to higher minimums. However, as time went on, I realized, you know what? If I have a hundred K that I want to invest in, you know, a given year, I would like diversification. So how do I get diversification in an industry that's known to have private deals where going rate is anywhere between 50 to hundred and sometimes even more than that as the minimum? for accredited investors. And I said, you know what? Like, I'm pretty sure there's other people out there that are like me that want to be able to gain access to some of these opportunities and would like to diversify. You know, maybe they want to put 25K in each deal and maybe they do have 100K to invest this year, but they would like to put that across four deals, maybe four different asset classes, four different regions, different operators, or maybe it's the same operator, but just different properties within their portfolio. So that's where I'm coming from. Like that's been my journey so far. And that's what I do now is like, um, I have a 506C fund that enables people, um, accredited investors only to be able to gain access to really high quality operators, um, and introduce diversification into their portfolios. So, yeah. That's great. I mean, you have tons of experience, as you've told me. So that that really, I think, is an uh, attribute like attributed to your success now, as you said. And do you think what what do you think was that driving motivator that really kind of kicked it into gear that you wanted to start your own company? What was that one driving force that really made you switch from PWC? I know your father probably gave you like that real estate drive entrepreneurship too. So. Uh, he did not. My parents were not entrepreneurs. Like they, like they fell into investing, okay. um, but they didn't teach investing. They were all about like going to school, get a good education, get a good job. And for that, I'm grateful because the reality is that I believe it takes money to make money. So it might not be your money, but you're going to need to get money from someone. Um, and sometimes it's good to be in a position where not sometimes it is good to be in a position where you have the ability 
to build your business and you can do it from a place of like, from your, the money that you are able to earn. And I tell people that the largest investor in my business is my job. That's, that's my job is the largest investor in my business. You know, that's what enables me to create the fund. That's what enables me to pay the lawyers. That's what enables me to take my time and slowly build my business and build it very intentionally and be able to walk away from deals that are not a good fit for me, that those are all really good things. And, um, and that's the benefit of having a really good career and good job is because you can then say no to opportunities that are not in alignment with you and don't, um, and would not be in alignment with your investors. So, yeah. That's, that's great. Was there like um, that light bulb moment that kind of went off for you that made you realize that? I mean, maybe you've always known it, but <laughs> no, I didn't always know that. Um, the light bulb moment was it took a while for the light bulb to turn on um, <laughs> because when I decided to leave my job in April of 2021, um, the direction I was going was similar, but not as clear as I am now. Um, but through having conversations with people and like sharing what I've done in the past and like what they're trying to do, I just realized that more and more people were curious about the whole funds. And I had no idea how many people wanted to like go down this fun path. Right. Um, and then I learned about people like um, Bridger Pennington, and which is a big fun guy. And he's like in his 20s and his dad is like a big fund manager, um, you know, and I just learned more and more. And I realized, oh, wow, like this is like like there's something here, you know? Um, so like one of my latest projects is like creating a fund manager starter pack because I realized that so many people, so this is what I realized. And all of this came from just going through the process of the painful process of months and months of like, um, like not things not working out and, you know, all of that. Um, I realized that funds that, have less than like even 5 million, I would say funds that have less than 5 million in assets under management and probably even a little bit lesser than that. Um, but definitely like anything that's like half a million, a million dollars, 2 million, 3 million under management, like those funds by and large don't really have the financial capacity to be hiring someone um, to be doing their books on a regular basis. Um, so, and I said to myself, like, one of the things that came up for me was that people would say to me, yeah, you know, they need help and stuff, but like, it's not financially prudent for them to pay me. And it's not financially prudent for them to hire someone, even if it's not me, like many times, it's not even financially prudent for them to hire anyone else. Um, and I thought, well, how could I help them? Like, DIY, like help them do what they need to do to take care of their fun in these early stages until the fun gets to the place where it's big enough to be able to pay for itself because that day will come. They just need to keep going. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, like I could, I could put together this package that just sort of walks people through the basics of like taking care of these funds until they get to the place where they can then offload it on 
an admin firm that's going to charge them X, Y, Z amount of money a year to take care of it. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great asset for your investors. Like you said, you're setting them up for success and helping them along their journey of investing in your fund and whatever else too. Then you give them your own background knowledge and experience, I'm sure, and helping with all different accounts. Like, you know, the funds, so you know how to help. Yes. Great. This is very helpful for um, starter fund managers. Um, So like other people who want to create a fund of their own, but they just don't have any experience taking care of funds. And they recognize when you do the numbers for these funds, you recognize very quickly that in the early, in the early years, you're not really making a lot of money. So like you then need to be able to do some of this stuff by yourself or um, to find people who can do it for you very inexpensively. But if you do that, you also need to be reviewing it to make sure that, you know, they're not doing it incorrectly. So that's where like some of these things come into play. So, yeah. No, that's, that's great. And yeah, it's, it's all about accountability, I think in the end too, just in general, right. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to switch gears actually a little bit um, and focus a little bit more on you and how your journey is, how you've come to this spot in your journey. And um, what are some of those habits, some of those routines that you have in place that have really set you up for success and being able to build this amazing company for investors? Um, I would say, you know, one being around the right kinds of people. So environment is very important in my opinion. Um, So constantly seeking to get into the right type of masterminds that help me to continue to grow and meet the right types of people to grow and learn from is the first one. Um, The second thing that I like to do is, um, you know, like come from a place of constantly growing and learning because like, if we seek perfection, like we'll never really ever get started sometimes in life. So like being able to sort of like do the best you can and, you know, run the numbers to the best of your ability and, you know, put checklists in place and like stuff like that just helps you to like support your hypothesis regarding why you choose to invest in something or like why you're choosing to do X, Y, and Z. Um, To me, I think like, that has helped me to continue to go forward. Um, Pointing out, I think the third thing is pointing out the things that I know are holding me back. So like right now, as I launch my fund and also launch the course for fund managers to get started, like I have these sticky notes that say, just take the next baby step, just focus on the next baby step. Um, do it imperfectly, just do the best you can in this moment. So like, for me, it's like, these are like reminders that just take the next baby step. Like, because if you try to like, look at the entire staircase, you're just like, oh my goodness, I'm never going to get to the top. Like, wow, like this is just really crazy. Like, you know, or not necessarily to the top, but like, I'll never get to whatever destination it is that I'm going to go to. So it's like just reminders that, okay, what's the next baby step I can take? Okay. I can record some videos for the course. Let's do that. Boom. Record them. Now you're done, you know? Um, Or I look at the next deal and I map out what are the key things that I need to see on this deal, like, you know, to make sure that the underwriting and 
and the market and the operator is someone I want to be connected with. Um, you know, like, and just taking a lot from all of the, the different experiences that I've had, like being able to take a step back and say, okay, well, what are some of the things I've learned? And like, how could I then set up the process better going forward? So that way I know now, okay, these are some of the things I need to look for going forward. So, yeah. That's, that's great. I really want to emphasize that point of um, kind of taking those smaller steps rather than psyching yourself out for that bigger ultimate goal. Because if you look at the entire journey, it's going to look like it's impossible. But yeah, setting those tiny little reminders, those checklists, just to get to the next step, not necessarily do a leap and a bound, but just to get started. And then you feel more motivated. I think when you actually get those smaller things done, you're like, okay, I'm in the process. I'm working through it. So I think that's great. And yeah, thank you. (laughs) No. um, And then also that sounds like you're really setting yourself up for great success for you and your investors. So what is, um, what's your work-life balance look like? Do you have any time for yourself starting a new business? Do you, (laughs) how do you balance that? Yeah, it's been definitely a journey. Um, I, today it's much better than it was the last couple of years for a lot of reasons. The first primary one is, um, I have focused on playing in my unique ability Um, So playing in my strengths and finding people that can help me in the areas that I am not very good at, that takes me a lot of time. Um, So everything from like virtual assistants and social media managers to help me with my social media account and creating content in that area, because the, uh, the reality is I just can't do everything. Um, So like hiring people to help in that area has helped me a ton. Um, when I think about like creating marketing docs and stuff like that, I do the best I can. And then I hand it over to marketing people that can take it to the next, uh, finish line. The things that I enjoy working on is like the numbers and like the fun modeling and like all of the financial statement stuff. Like I can do tons of that, like back to back to back to back and just keep knocking stuff out. Like that's my sweet spot. So I play in that area. Um, and I try to keep a healthy balance, you know, like one of the things I like to do is do afternoon walks, evening walks in the Marina del Rey is one of my favorite places to walk. Um, I dance a lot of Argentine tango on the weekends. Um, so I will, today's a Friday and I, there's a milonga tonight. That's a place where people go to dance Argentine tango. So I'll go there and I'll dance. Um, I work out in every morning. I've been doing beach body now for, I don't know, three or four years consistently every morning. Um, <laughs> Dedication. So, yes, yes, yes. Um, so for me, one of the other things I want to pick up this year is um, tennis. And I also want to try golf. Um, so for me, I think that um this sort of ties back to the previous question too, is that what I like to do is the sticky note exercise that I start with all the big ticket items, like the big North stars, like, you know, one day writing a book, like having an amazing podcast or, you know, being a public speaker or being a fund manager with XYZ amounts of assets under management, right? These are like the big ticket items. And then you have like, 
the things that you, you then start putting together all the different things that you could do to get towards that and like breaking down goals and like things that you could do this month, this quarter, that kind of stuff. Um, and it then helps me to, to focus on the things that I can achieve this quarter um, and this month. So that way, when opportunities come up for some of those other big North Star stuff, um, I'm able to better assess. Well, first of all, when opportunities come up in general, I'm better able to assess, hey, is this a part of the North Star? Or is this a North Star that I would want now that like it's here, right? Because sometimes you never even think about something. Um, so like for me, at least that's what helps me. And I find that being able to have time to like not be working helps me to be more creative when I come back to my job, like come back to my work. Um, it enables me to work more efficiently, more effectively to come up with strategies and different things. Like the idea to create a course, the idea to launch a fund, all this stuff didn't come overnight. Like it took time for things to unfold and for my mind to piece things together. And that's where I think like having the time to like you know just be in play helps me to then better be in work mode when I'm in work mode so yeah definitely I think compression time like decompressing it really does speak like miles to what your journey is going to look like in the end because if you work 24 hours a day seven days a right. week you're going to hit burnout and you just it's yes. not possible so exactly I Exactly. And I think one of the things that um, is important along this journey that I learned, I learned along the way I did not, I didn't know, but like, I just learned along the way is that so many people are running from something and running towards something else. Um, and when you get to a place of retirement or financial freedom or like, yeah, you have ability to like really be able to control your time and create your life. It's less about running away from stuff. And it's more about like um, the freedom to choose and like, how do you want to spend your time? Um, because reality is like, sometimes you do want to take jobs and like grow businesses and all this stuff and all of them, they take time. And I feel that, um, prioritizing good quality of life right now is beneficial because the reality is you have many people are like, Oh, you know, when 10 years from now, they're going to be in a different position, but the reality is 10 years from now, they could be in a, um, they might not even be alive. So like finding ways in which you can sort of balance like having a good quality of life today while also achieving your goals, in my opinion, is, is better. And that's what I seek to do now. Definitely. I, I love that approach of not looking to the future, but living, I think every day, how it deserves to be lived, not just hating your job now. That's why I love the way that entrepreneurs just have that motivating drive to do what they love and set up a business and become financially free. Right. Because some people get stuck in the nine to five, like grind and they just right. don't like their jobs. And then, yeah, they're waiting for till they're 40 for retirement and then they can do all the stuff, but right. they're missing the best years of your life too. So that's exactly. That's and you know, there's something else I want to say on that, which is I encourage people to use their job 
to be number one, the largest investor in their business. And number two, to be able to help them to grow in their own business. So that takes, that requires people to think about like, how could they go and work for someone who, because not only are they getting paid, but they're also getting experience and exposure that could help them in their own entrepreneurial journey. That to me is the reason jobs are created. That's that's a way in which you can hack working for jobs that puts you in a position where you're more va- even more valuable in your business as well. Definitely. That's like a, a mic drop moment. You have your mic. <laughs> yeah, but that's a, that's a great way to wrap it up. I just have one final question for you after that amazing response. Um, so this is TJF with Courtney. You kind of already touched on it. You might go dancing tonight, but yeah. What's your favorite song or podcast that you will be blasting come 5 PM today or when you get your free time? <laughs> oh my goodness. I have so many favorite podcasts. Um, I would say there are, there are three that I love. Um, the first one is how I built this by Guy Raz. Um, it's an awesome podcast. I, I just love it so much. Um, there's another podcast called Tango Banter. Um, it talks about the experiences of tango dancers who dance tango. Um, and I, I love it. (laughs) Um, and then the third podcast that I love to listen to, I would say it's Earn Your Happy by Lori Harder. Um, she is an entrepreneur who is currently building her first product business. So she's um, building a company called Light Pink, which is a, um, it's like, a, I forgot, it's like champagne kind of thing, kind of drinks that sell, gets sold in cans. Um, and she just ha- always has some really inspirational content. And I feel like it's like business, having a business coach by listening to that podcast is like listening to a business coach sharing her journey of building her business like pink um, and never being in the beverage business ever before and like creating a beverage company from scratch. So, and raising money from investors, all female investors as well. Would have loved to have invested in that one, but uh, so yeah. So yeah, that's, that's um, those are the three that I love. Awesome. Well, we have some great recommendations for our listeners now and for myself. So thank you for that. And yeah, thank you again, Lisa, for coming on this podcast. I had a great time with you. Any uh, final thoughts or comments to leave the audience? Um, I would just say, you know, keep leveling up. (laughs) Yes. Keep leveling up. Yes. Keep leveling up. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lisa Hilton. I've had a great time talking to you and thank you all for listening. That's TJF with Courtney. All right. Thank you, Courtney.